0: Hello, folks. Before we begin tonight, I hope that after you spend some time with me that you be sure to check out the other podcasts on the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Don't miss the latest episode of Fear from the Heartland with Paul J. McSorley, which airs on Wednesdays. And of course, don't forget Drew Blood's Dark Tales, Horror Hill with Eric Peabody, and of course, Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Find them all at simplyscarypodcast.com on YouTube or your favorite podcasting service. Or be sure to visit the Chilling Tales for website, and become a patron, and hear extended episodes from our vast audio archive. Join us for a while, won't you? <laughs> Ha 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 Good evening! You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 12, Episode 19. I'm your host, Otis Jarry, and in this episode, I'll be performing two tales to terrify you, courtesy of author Darren Todd. Tonight, we'll hear stories of close encounters of the worst kind, clients who don't like to be disgruntled. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first spine-tingling story. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So, lock your doors... Turn your lights down though. Settle in. The show is about to begin.
1: <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
0: Memories. Sometimes they're a reminder of wonderful days gone by. Nostalgia tinted happily by the passage of time. Sometimes there are frightful things. Joel to let us know that sometimes we've ended up escaping something truly unpleasant, and sometimes those memories are one and the same. For Trevor, reliving a night from his childhood, is both a reflection on the joy he had with his favorite babysitter, but also a brush with something truly evil. Without further ado, I present to you... The fear that huddles the herd. After Trevor made the dogleg turn onto Ashland Avenue, he drove past Teresa's place, even with her sitting out front. It had been that long since he'd seen her. The woman on the porch, smoking, legs crossed, hunched in a wicker chair, bore little resemblance to the sixteen-year-old girl he remembered from his childhood. You missed it, Dad. Garrett called from the back seat. If we're looking for one, two, three, you just passed it. It It's back where the old lady was smoking on the porch. Thanks, bud, he said, and pulled into a short driveway to turn around. And she's not old, unless you're calling me old. She's got less than a decade on me. If you say so, he said laughing. As Trevor reversed course, unwilling to trust the backup camera for no reason at all, he found his nine-year-old son buried in his phone, as usual. God knows how he'd kept tabs on the street names and addresses. Teresa waved at him this time. Trevor pulled into the short drive, returned her wave, and climbed out. In the city, Trevor had to wait on Garrett to get his nose out of the screen and exit the car before locking it. Here... Back in his hometown for the first time in years, he figured he could leave his son behind to greet Teresa. Oh my God, the woman said, snubbing her cigarette out, creating a groan of the wicker reeds as her willowy frame pushed out of the chair. Look at you! When she pulled him into a hug, the smell of tobacco invaded his nostrils, spurred by the chilly morning, but something about it comforted him. He looked over her bony shoulder to the full ashtray on a table by the chair. The butts were muddy brown spikes, like a huddled animal assuming a defensive posture in the plastic Budweiser ashtray. So maybe it was the smell of her brand, he remembered. Her family's brand, since he suddenly recalled them all smoking them, even Teresa, at 16. It's good to see you, Trevor said into the cotton her long-sleeved shirt. He found himself fighting tears, panic over marring the reunion, eventually tamping down his emotions. He looks just like you did, Teresa's head still holding him. Trevor turned to see his son finally emerging from the SUV. Yeah, I guess he's about the age I was when you last saw me. Teresa pulled a strand of straight graying hair behind an ear, closer to Bobby's age, but he looks like you did. She looked at Trevor and shook her head, her elation revealing stained teeth, but a pretty smile. Like, I'm time-traveling. I'm sorry, he said. I didn't get a chance to ask if your kids would be here. I can get them off the phone, believe it or not, and make can play while we search. Teresa waved at the air in the inches between them. Oh, my kids are grown and gone, Trevor. "'My daughter, Starla, might come by with food from work, though. "'You'll meet her.' "'Pretty, you mean, like I used to be.' "'He stumbled for a couple of seconds and slapped his arm. "'I'm giving you a hard time, but yeah, she's pretty. "'Problem is, all the boys know it.' "'The Benny of having a son,' he said, laughing away the awkwardness. "'Well, I got two of them, too. They've got their own challenges.' A lull settled on them, probably not the last. "'So why do you want it?' she asked, serious now. "'Don't get me wrong, I was glad to hear from you. "'I seen your Facebook page, the whole pharmacy lab jacket, looked very sharp. "'They laughed, but I can't imagine why you were asking about that.' "'He pulled a folded newspaper from the inside of his jacket. "'The sun?' she asked. "'You read that garbage?' "'He laughed again.' "'I'm a subscriber, just keeping up with my hometown, "'see how the devils are doing and all that.' "'She opened the paper and squinted at it. "'They deliver all the way to Atlanta?' "'He shrugged, for a price. "'Look at the bottom of the front page. "'She flipped it and scanned the page. "'Yeah, I heard about it on the news. "'They found a kid's bones when they were building "'that new set of houses down by the Hardin Park. "'I know who did it, Teresa.' She gasped, meeting his gaze, but then returning to the paper. They said it was old bones, decades old. Yep, I can date it better than their labs, as I know who did it and when. I just need that book. She folded the paper and handed it back to him. Trev, baby, how the hell is a kid's book going to solve a murder from a million years ago? "'Not a million years,' he said, and put his hands on her shoulders. "'Not so long ago, in some ways. "'It happened the last time you babysat me. "'Us. "'Me and Bobby. "'Do you remember?' "'Her lips drooped, and she turned back toward the house. "'I'm gonna need to sit for this,' she said. "'And smoke. You "'Still like iced tea?' "'He shuddered. "'It's fifty degrees out.' "'She shrugged and headed into the house. "'Sure!' He called after. Sweet tea would be great. He looked over at Garrett, who had started to look around at the tree line and broad, open lawns of the neighborhood, and away from his phone. Make that too, if you would. Teresa was happy to see him, always. That was the difference, the reason he told his mom that Teresa was the one he liked best. The others, they always had something better to do. They'd eat everything good out of his fridge freak out over the cordless phone and talk to boys or their friends on it the whole time, leaving Trevor and Bobby to watch TV and eat leftovers while pocketing the pizza money his mom had left. Bobby liked Teresa, too, but probably because he thought she was pretty, which she was. For Trevor, though, it was that she wanted to be there. She was happy to do the job, and even if his seven-year-old brain would never have said it that way, That made it all the difference. That night, though, when Bobby fetched the phone book the second Teresa came in the door so they could pick out the pizza place, Teresa shook her head and put a finger to her lips while their mom was still getting ready to leave. And where normally Teresa would come over wearing sweatpants or even PJs, that night she was in jeans and a jacket. Be good, their mom said, fiddling with her keys on the way out. "'What's the secret?' Trevor asked the moment their mom had closed the door behind her. Teresa sat on the floral sofa and wrestled with her braid, like she did when she was feeling sneaky, for taking the boys to Bear's T-shirts to buy them Ninja Stars, or out to Chafee's Hollow to shoot BB guns. "'Well, you guys know what's coming next week, right?' "'Halloween!' they screamed in unison." Teresa scrunched up her face. Eh, too bad it's on a Wednesday, though, huh? Won't be able to stay out late. Why's not doing a lock-in? Just some lame bobbing for apples thing in the gym. That's what I heard. They kept quiet. Both practiced in Teresa's trademark buildup. The no longer the wait, the better the payoff. It's just too bad you guys aren't interested in J.C.'s haunted house. She said, nose wrinkling. They burst out with bumbling promises of equal parts interest and discretion. No way their mom would ever let them go, but both boys harbored a love of scary stories. Theresa had smuggled in VHS tapes of Friday the 13th, basket case, and the howling. She even promised to take them to A Nightmare on Elm Street when it came out to the Capri Theater. Ewens can't say a thing, she said, smiling despite holding up a cautionary finger and attempting a reluctant expression. They swore their undying secrecy over and over, crossing their hearts and hoping to die, if they told. Teresa looked up, as if still deciding whether to allow such an outing. We're going to go grab Burger Chef on the way, she said. The leftover pizza money should cover our tickets. No bellyaching about snacks when we get there, she warned. Bobby held up a scout's honor salute, which Trevor quickly mimicked all right she said drawing out the words as if finally convinced by their cuteness get dressed the jc's had repurposed a large home on the outskirts of town that year the owner was an older man reclusive no family who died and left the city unsure of what to do with the property and the land the paper said that the jc's used the furniture and decorations already in place since they were old-fashioned and in line with the sort of spooky ambiance they were going for. They arrived, the boys wolfing down the last of the Burger Chef kids' meals, after navigating an access road thick with trees, yet to lose all of their leaves. Once they broke into the clearing, lights, all units attached to brain generators, suffused the air. Another fed power to a small snack shack and a ticket booth. The line snaked from the front door across the wraparound porch and into the yard. The boys groaned at the sight of all those people, most of them at least teenage. Don't start that, Teresa told them. That line will go quick enough. Planning ain't going to make it move any faster. A teenager wearing a headband of red devil horns and a bright utility vest waved them into the parking spot in the grass with a flashlight. Trevor bolted from the car the moment Teresa killed the engine. "'I'll save our place in line!' He wove through people, certain that he'd cut minutes off their wait time if he was fast enough. He didn't know any of these people, but his cuteness and age had gotten him out of tight spots plenty in his seven years. Bobby assured him it wasn't cool, but Teresa acknowledged his adorable nature, telling him several times that it was going to get him in trouble one of these days, but doing so with a mock reproachment he'd instantly identified. Trevor snuck right in before a handful of teenagers, ignoring their derisive comments and snickers. He turned to look for Teresa and Bobby. His brother would no doubt take his time, hide his excitement as much as to come across as mature to their babysitter as to the crowds of others, seemingly all of whom were older than him.
1: Or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
0: Trevor jumped, a jolt of fear like electricity cursing through him at the immediate, intense burst of sound. The Teenagers behind him in line laughed at this, though the girls in the group made cooing sounds, saying Trevor was just a kid. Leave him alone. Trevor spun to figure out what had caused such a terrible noise which had settled into a steady hum now. His heart got no reprieve at the sight, however. A huge man wearing a tattered mask of what looked like thick-stitched fabric held a chainsaw, staring at each person in line with the saw in front of him like Rambo with a machine gun. He revved the engine at intervals, each time causing Trevor to cover his ears and yell to cover the sound. He tucked himself behind the man in front of the line and turned to check on Teresa and his brother. The line had grown by perhaps a dozen, though now he no longer celebrated his eagerness at saving their place. Even the pitying looks the teenage girls behind him wore, on his behalf, only served to annoy him. It's not like he thought the chainsaw guy was going to kill them. The thing was so loud, Trevor wondered how anyone could stand it. The guy revved it again, drawing closer and closer, and who knows, getting some sort of pleasure out of freaking out the youngest kid in the line. "'There you are,' Teresa said, on top of him, and pulling him into a hug before he even noticed her. "'Oh, no!' she screamed in mock terror. "'It's Leatherface, guys. He looks like he hasn't eaten a person in days.' Bobby slid in next to Trevor, maybe a little embarrassed to have had his little brother save his spot in line, but from the safety of Teresa's arms, maybe the leather-faced guy wasn't so bad. That engine fired again, so close that Trevor jumped in Teresa's arms and started shaking. It wasn't cold out, not really, and he had his jean jacket warm enough, uh, but he couldn't stop himself. Teresa bent down to him, smiling, trying to say something, but the engine revved again, drowning her out. Why couldn't that jerk just move on? Unbidden, tears began to form. His breathing was shallow but fast, sucking in nothing but air tainted by the chemical tang of the gasoline from the engine. God, you're such a baby, Bobby said in a chugga of lull of the machine. He pointed at Trevor and announced, he's crying, head on a swivel as if to garner sympathetic allegiance from the older kids and adults. He's fine, Bobby, Teresa said. From the protective cage of his babysitter's thin arms, Trevor looked out to the chainsaw man, now not just six feet away. He must have spotted Trevor in distress because he slumped his shoulders and tilted his head to the side, as if, behind the mask, he was sticking out his lower lip in understanding. He's okay, Teresa said to him. Just loud, I think. The man held the machine in one hand and pointed to it in a, what, this little thing? gesture. Then he gunned it again, producing an unrelenting whine. Trevor screamed. Teresa's home held the telltale signs of a recent cleaning. Floors clear and bearing a mop and glow sheen, but the outer rim of each room was gorged with magazines, gewgaws, and other mismatched clutter. Exposed surfaces held the light streaks of a wipe down, but the penumbral glow from an overhead fan whirring and shaking revealed a gray layer of dust further in. Trevor welcomed the effusion of nostalgia, feeling tiny at first, but growing as he recognized this picture frame, that recliner, those bookends. But he didn't want Teresa becoming uncomfortable at his staring either. He was, in effect, almost a stranger to this place, having last occupied it, when Reagan was president. You've kept up the place well, he said, and meant it. He'd watched his other childhood haunts wither and decay, as with his grandparents' place, once the prodigal son, Uncle, took residence. With others, someone else's present and future erased his past, as with his childhood home he toured it with the new owners, years later, only to find it so steeped in the man's own memories as to feel foreign to Trevor. Still, he yearned for the confines of its walls sometimes, thinking that, like now, it might contrast with his life in Atlanta. Everything during the pandemic had become so intensely in the moment that it felt as if no memories set were none worth cultivating at least. It's not a bad place, she said, Mom and Daddy left it to me, even though I'm not the oldest, because Donnie would have run it into the ground, probably sold it. And Deb, don't know if you remember her, but she just don't have a mind to clean and cook or do much of anything, really. She's over at the John Deere plant, but only because her boyfriend got hired on and put her hat in the ring for answering phones and the like. Yeah, I understand, he said. Bob comes into town for reunions, I think. That's about it. Even if the house had stayed in the family, I don't know he would have cared to keep it up. She pulled several boxes from a closet underneath the stairs after stacking out several quilts and some Christmas decorations. You got out too, and good for you. I know your mama was well off and all, but I don't know that staying here would have been all that good for you even so. Why did you stay, he asked opening one of the tape-shut boxes with his pocket knife. He felt her eyes on him and looked up to see them boring into him, though they softened once he faced her. Didn't have no choice, she said. Leastways, not after losing the job with your mama. He cocked his head. babysitting job? She scoffed and then busied herself with her own box. You didn't know. Couldn't have since you were so little. Your mama paid three times what most people was paying and still left money for food or whatever. She pulled out several stuffed animals, scenting the air with their musty odor. I kept most of it told my folks it was way less. I was going to get out of here with it after sitting you boys for another couple years, I mean. And I got you fired, he said. Teresa kept her eyes down on her task stacking out the books, though none were what they were looking for. Why'd you do it anyway? She looked up at him and swallowed hard, as if choking something down. Why'd you tell her about the haunted house? I didn't even make you go in. He swallowed and looked away. Let's just find the book. She huffed again and returned to the task. I was going to read it to you. That's why it was in my car that night. "'I thought maybe if I was reading it to you and Bobby I could finish it.' "'So you never did read it to the end?' he said. "'She shook her head and turned away from him. "'Trevor fought the urge to put a hand on her shoulder. "'It was scary, back when Graham gave it to me. "'Isn't it Sesame Street?' he asked, laughing. "'She matched the lightning air between them, "'letting the mounting tension dissipate and meeting his eyes. "'Yeah, it was.' "'He is. Grover, I think. Or Cookie Monster. "'But he kept saying how the monster at the end was so terrible, "'telling me to stop reading and building everything up. "'I can't say much,' he said. "'Couldn't sleep a few nights after a counselor at the Y "'told us the story of Taylorpool. "'Still kind of weirds me out. "'He spotted a handful of books in one of the boxes "'and pulled them free. No luck.' Still, if I'd had a copy of it, I wouldn't have kept it. Why keep the Grover book? Graham died when I was little, so I couldn't throw it away. I wasn't even going to give it to you boys, just read it with you. You told me about it, he said. Mentioned back then that you couldn't make it to the end. That's why it's important. Because of that boy's bones they found? Honey, that don't make much sense. He shrugged. Well, after I tell you what happened while you guys were inside. Look here, Teresa said, squatting down to Trevor's level. Take this and draw me a picture of Garfield. You're so good at it. And if there's enough time left, try Odie. Trevor took the small book she was holding out to him, as well as the two pieces of paper, edges still littered with frills from coming out of a notebook. But I'm no good at Odie, he said. She pulled a ballpoint from her pants and gave it to him. "'Nobody is. That's why you practice.' Trevor looked over at his brother, who was holding their place in line. He bounced from one foot to the other, breath white in the air, like a boxer preparing to duke it out in the frost. "'Can we just go?' Trevor whispered. Teresa thought about it. He could tell. She bit at her lip, looked around, and as if the answer would come to her from the crowd... Chainsaw Man had moved on mercifully, wanting no more of Teresa's wrath once he'd Trevor full-on weeping. Tell you what, she said. You draw me pictures. I'll go in with your brother real fast. She leaned down again, the miasma of her cigarettes and perfume mingling in his mouth. He was pulling in air as if still sobbing, though the tears had dried. We'll read this the next time I see you. "'You think you're scared of the chainsaw?' "'She said, face scrunched up. "'Incredulous. "'Well, you see me reading this book.' "'Trevor moved the pieces of paper "'to reveal the Sesame Street cover. "'Grover waving on the front. "'There's a monster at the end "'of this book,' he read. "'Then he giggled. "'But this is for kids.' "'She threw up her hands. "'But I ain't never read to the end,' she said. "'Swear to God.' Never even seen the last page where the monster is. You hang out here and wait on us and be good. And I'll let you read the ending to me and I promise I'll be plenty scared. Trevor liked that idea. He smiled, despite the far-off whine of the chainsaw still teasing at his nerves, like a bully flicking his earlobes on the bus. She smiled back. It won't be long. Why don't you wait over there by the trailer? The chainsaw guy ain't gonna go way over there. He just wants to mess with people in line. Get us good and scared. I'm kind of jealous. You get to stay out here, but I don't want to send Bobby in there all alone. Trevor did as he was told, the sound of the conversation, the chainsaw, and the growl of the generators fading as he walked toward an unhitched trailer just inside the clearing. The smell of mustard and relish hung on the air, and he turned to see the concession booth across the lot, he wished he'd asked Teresa for a dollar, but already she and his brother were cresting the porch steps only a handful of feet from the entrance. Why did they want to go in there so badly? With the horror movies Teresa had rented for them. At least he could turn the volume, though, or hide behind Teresa's blanket during the scary parts. He sat with his back to one of the giant trees clicked open the pen to start drawing. He could sketch passable Garfield in mere minutes, but there was so little light over at the end, he might as well have been blindfolded. Still, he began with the ears. Always the ears, then the chubby cheeks, and he just started the bug eyes when a voice behind him made a pen fly across the page. Not much for scares, I see, came a man's voice. Trevor whipped around to see a slim man in his late twenties or early thirties, polo shirt tucked into his jeans members only jacket unzipped leaning against the edge of the truck. His words held so weak of an accent Trevor instantly figured he was either from out of town or worked hard to keep the southern twang in check like his mother did. "Uh, No sir he said nerves calming though he didn't return to his drawing just yet. The man wasn't walking by but just standing there "'Probably wasn't at your age, either. "'It's been so many years, I'm not sure. "'But I figured I'd have been in your shoes, too, "'on the periphery of those Halloween horrors.' "'The man laughed at this, "'a gravelly series of huffs at tempo. "'Trevor just sat there looking up at him, "'though it craned his neck. "'When I was your age, "'I guess it would have been zombies "'that kept me up at night. "'Maybe dynamic kids with hollow eyes and magic powers.' Trevor cleared his throat of the residual phlegm from his crying and said, Yeah, that, that sounds pretty scary. Like this joker, the man said, and pointed at the chainsaw-wielding madman, still pestering the crowds. But you know what really got under my skin, son? Trevor shook his head and mumbled, Uh-uh. The wolfman. Classic stuff, I guess. Maybe a little dated. But what scared me the most about him was that he could have been anyone. This clown. he flicked the back of his hand out at the chainsaw man again. You could see him coming a mile away. Got time to run and hide, call the cops, pack a bag for Christ's sakes. Wolf man could be your neighbor, your, your uncle, your own brother, I figure. Wouldn't know it till the full moon came. He looked up at the sky as if making sure tonight wasn't featuring such a moon. He shrugged. Of course, if it was a full moon, maybe you could see the drawby. by Hey, sport? He grinned and gave that odd, gruff laugh again, like from a beat machine or a record skipping. Got long to wait? Trevor felt like he'd already waited forever, and he scanned the front of the line to see that Teresa and Bobby had certainly gone in, but how much longer he'd have to wait fell outside of his record. Uh, I don't know, he said. My babysitter and older brother went in a little while ago. Well, no sense in you sitting in the dark. I've got a few glow sticks in my car. I'll give them to the neighborhood kids for trick-or-treating. Come on, I'll give you a couple. One to draw by and another for your brother when he comes out. He started walking off. Grab your stuff. What's your favorite color? Um... Trevor Bumble... The man made an impatient come-on gesture, so Trevor stood and began walking with him. Blue, I guess. Bobby likes red. The man kept walking, talking over his shoulder. Well, you're in luck. I've got blue and red both. Purple, too. But I figure that's more of a girl color, right? Yes, sir. They walked through a field of dying grass, the stalks, crunching under his feet the sounds of the haunted house fading behind him time, Trevor wondered where a car could be parked out there, or why the man hadn't parked with the other vehicles in the dirt lot that would arrived. But it wasn't the car the man had, but a van, windowless and dark under the night sky. He turned to face Trevor, his facial features blurred. He mumbled in his jacket, wouldn't you know it, had him on me already. He pulled out a couple of white plastic tubes that, even in the dark, Trevor could tell were glow sticks. He wiggled them up by his head and then summoned Trevor over to him. Something inside of Trevor finally understood that he might be in danger. This came in the form of an ache low in his stomach, like he'd eaten too much junk food or stayed up too late. Maybe it was the cold, but suddenly his muscles felt jittery, like when he had to kick his legs sometimes in bed before going to sleep. Things together, I see, the man said. This made Trevor feel completely transparent, exposed, as if the stranger could see every thought in his head He tried to keep the idea of running back to the parking lot out of his mind, but failed. Wondering if you should run, the man said, which sent a flush of cold down Trevor's back. Then the man laughed. This time the sound was genuine. Nothing to worry about, son, he shrugged. Course you might not know if there was, right? I'm not carrying a chainsaw. My eyes aren't whited out. No soulless mask over my face. He pointed toward the haunted house. It's funny. Your babysitting and your brother. They think that they're facing horrors in that old house. Braving danger, if you will. But it's make believe. I mean, we all know that, but it's not much of a practice for real life, is it? Trevor didn't know what to say. His mouth had turned to cotton. He tried swallowing, but he couldn't. He took a step back, but a quick, uh-uh, from the man made him freeze in place. It's just, if they were really trying to frighten the kiddos with something real, something that could actually hurt them, they'd be better off showing us, right? This right here. He gestured around them, at the van, in the empty space of dying foliage open, but is removed from other people as a distant planet. We like to think of ourselves as apex predators, but we're really just smarter prey. We don't have claws or fangs, can't run or swim all that fast, can't fly or see at night or smell our quarry over miles. Smart enough to make clothes and huddle in buildings and create light, sure, but when it comes down to it, we act just like other prey animals. Do you know what a herd of wildebeest would do if they saw that chainsaw man coming? Trevor tried to speak, but the sound came up more of a squawk than words. He cleared his throat and said, Run? Well, sure, the man said, and underhand threw one of the glow sticks to Trevor. Trevor missed the toss, but quickly found it in the grass. When he stood back up, the man had come nearer, only ten feet away now. "'They'd hightail it right across the plains "'if they saw that joker coming "'or heard that weapon of his whining "'like that from miles away. But your brother thinks he's braver than you?' he said. "'He waved the other glow stick in the air back and forth "'as if an admonishing finger. "'While he's in there facing that safe evil, "'being led by a goddamn rope past things "'every creature knows to avoid, "'while you're out here facing the real danger.' kind that doesn't send the herd running in the other direction, "'but huddles them together, fills them with uncertainty. "'Cause they're not sure what to make of me, son. "'Not you,' he pointed toward the crowds. "'Not them.' "'Now he stood only five or six feet away. "'How had he gotten even closer?' "'Panic rose inside Trevor as he came to understand "'that there was nothing he could do to get back to Teresa, "'to his mom and brother.' "'back to the safety of his bedroom. "'He wandered from the herd, fearful of the wrong thing. you wondering if I'm going to throw you in that van, son?' "'The man all but whispered, again, reading Trevor's mind, "'as easily as he lured him from safety. "'Now speech left him entirely. "'All he could manage came out like a heavy breathing, "'the desperate gasp of someone aching to breathe. "'All he could think of was someone seeing him knowing he was out there. He fumbled with the glow stick, which had grown slick with sweat from his palms. He finally got a grip on it and broke it open, red light cascading from it, enough to make his eyes ache. The man laughed at this, that mechanical, timed chuckle. (laughs) Clever boy. Then he shrugged, no matter. In the red haze of the glow stick, he jerked a thumb behind him toward the van. I already bagged my limit. And as if on cue, something thumped from inside the metal confines of that windowless space, making Trevor jump. The man kept smiling, teeth a dull pink in the light. He kept darting his eyes over Trevor's shoulder, back toward the parking lot. I'm just joking with you, son. Pulling your leg is all a little Halloween trick. Doing you a favor, really. He backed away, making for the driver's side door. It's not psychos with chainsaws you got to worry about. Remember that next time. Once he opened the door, the dome light turned him from predator back into a normal person again, the kind Trevor would see again a million times in his life, in line at the bank, at a traffic light, or at a bus stop. Trevor broke his paralysis, spun, and ran for the parking lot. But he stopped, maybe halfway between the safety of his herd and the stranger in the van, he looked down, seeing only the glow stick in one hand, and the pen in the other. He didn't remember dropping the book in the papers. The guy had started the band, at its light still dark. And seconds from being rigid with fear, Trevor's brain began to rationalize the encounter. The man had said he was just joking. So how mad would Teresa be that he'd lost her book just because someone was playing a joke on him? What about the bump from the van? He knew he hadn't imagined it. No way. Whether his conscious mind had put it together or not, the two problems had the same answer. I never knew any of that happened to you, Trevor. I always figured you were just mad at me for taking Bobby in there and leaving you behind. Uh, Never. (laughs) You were my favorite, Trevor said. She looked up from her search and gave him a small smile. You were mine. She returned to her box. Don't tell Bobby. He ended up under Dad's wing, whether he means to or not. He often reminds me of how great a relationship they have. I might have to throw you in his face just because. He laughed to suggest he was joking, though a part of him wasn't. Bob wouldn't care that he wasn't Teresa's favorite, but Trevor did. I knew I had it, Teresa said. Trevor's body nearly went limp with excitement and simultaneous relief at seeing that cover. He tripped over his own box on his way to her, offering a line of whispered sorries as he plucked the book from her hand. He turned immediately to the back, and Teresa took in an audible breath. Trevor laughed. It's okay, look. Her expression moved from apprehension to confusion as she studied that final page. It's Grover. Trevor nodded. Just him. He was the monster at the end of the book. I don't get it, she said. That's not... Scary? He said. No. Disappointing, maybe. But I think for kids it's supposed to be a relief. He'd built up this awful thing, but then it's just him. I felt the same way seeing it that night. And he held up the book to her again and tapped the bottom of the page. "'As the devil drove away, "'is that a license plate number?' she asked. "'Trevor nodded again and let out a breath "'that left him deflated. "'I'm not surprised it's there,' he said. "'Just, I guess I've wondered a handful of times in my life "'whether it was all a dream that I'd imagined what happened, "'including writing down the guy's plate.' "'Theresa's lips pursed. "'How do you know?' I mean, I hope you're right. God knows if anything ever happened to one of my kids. I'd rather know they'd die than just not know. That might sound a little weird, but... Uh, I agree, said. So, you know, I was sure I imagined writing that guy's plate down. I figured, even if I had, whatever made that bump in his van wasn't another kid. Must have been a dog, or just my imagination. That the guy was just an asshole... Messing with some kid because he was bored. He pulled out the news article again. But they got the dental records. They know who he was. The parents said he went missing that very night a million years ago. It was him. And it could have been me. The least I can do is make sure the guy who did it faces justice. She shuddered and turned away. Maybe he's dead already, Trev. It was a long time ago. Trevor shrugged. "'Fine, I could accept that, but let's say he's not. "'He'd be older, sure, but not elderly. "'He could be out there still, "'pulling kids from their parents like a hyena, "'laughing at the herd for its failure.' "'When Teresa turned back to him, "'she had a thin trail of tears down each cheek. "'She sniffled. "'I'm sorry,' she said. "'Trevor pulled her into a hug. "'Me too.' They embraced for long seconds, held her muscles tight but ready to loosen when he received some sign that the moment had passed. But she returned the embrace, offering no indication of when it should end. He closed his eyes and cast his mind back to that night, trying to imagine the sights and sounds of that open field, as he'd done at least a dozen times before. Nothing new came but then the sound of a car going by outside jolted him like a cattle prod to his back. Better check on Garrett, Teresa said, as if reading his mind. Trevor fought panic, his head darting all over for his son, imagining him in the back of whatever vehicle he'd heard drive past. He searched the rooms of the small house with a building intensity, all but running by the time he flew out the front door. But then there he was, his son, sitting on the porch next to the ashtray full of brown cigarette butts. Brain glass of ice beside him, staring at his phone just as he did within the safety of his bedroom back home. Hey, Dad, the boy said, not even looking up from the screen. Teresa came up behind Trevor and put a hand on his shoulder. He's okay. She smiled wide, though her lips quivered slightly. Most of them are. I hope you enjoyed The Fear That Huddles the Herd by Darren Todd, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash Todd. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash T-O-D-D. Besides appearing in the Chilling Tales Anthology Volume 1, He's recently released The Ugly Mug and Other Stories, a collection of shorts now available on Amazon and Audible in recorded format. If you do decide to stop by the profile, please leave him a kind word and let him know that you heard about him here on this show and that me, Otis Jairi, sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. Now, Before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me on this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition, of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit podcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs, or become a patron for as little as $5 per month. Get access to our entire audio archive. Dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Jiry channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, Dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Jire. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep. If you can. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment, In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's alright. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs>